I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Thanks so much for all of you who have subscribed to the new show and given it a five-star review, and most importantly, told 10,000 friends and family members about the new show. We are playing the algorithm game. We are trying to compete against the hundreds of thousands of active podcasts and do incredibly well, rising steadily up the Spotify charts, which is very exciting. And the more you can share and talk about the show, recommend it to people, uh, the stronger we'll be and the better the show will become, in my opinion. Also, thanks to those of you who picked up Breaking the News, my New York Times bestselling book, also available on audiobook if you are more inclined to listen. That is totally your call, and I think it's great. Any way you can get it. Today we've got a really big show because there's so much in the news over the weekend, in particular this infrastructure bill that the Republicans, uh, at least a few of them, decided that the best thing to do in this particular moment where Biden's agenda is completely stalled out is to give him his biggest win of his presidency, a trillion dollars of spending in all, only about 10% or so to traditional infrastructure and the rest, a bunch of other stuff. And uh, it is disheartening, but is hardly surprising. I give you all the details there. I also break down the latest appeals court blockage of the OSHA rule on the vaccine mandates, which is good news, but it's good news that should never have been necessary. I also talk about James O'Keefe getting raided by the FBI, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, and Dr. Hot Mess recommending masks not just for the coronavirus, but for the cold. We're going to have masks on for our common colds too now, because that is what the masks are all about. They're about bumming you out and about control by the people who are already so powerful. Uh, our guest today will be Amanda Milius, who those of you who are regular listeners to the three-hour broadcast on Sirius XM Patriot 125, which is live every morning, 6 a.m. Eastern, wherever you get your Sirius subscription via your car, your app, etc. Um, she is a director and a contemporary of mine. We're about the same age and grew up in similar circles in Los Angeles and yet somehow came out very red-pilled. And she's always a blast to talk to and has a great take on the culture and is also one of the few conservatives who don't just have hot takes on the culture as all of us do she's actually a participant having made the plot against the president movie um, based on the lee smith book which is really a great movie it's not just informative it's actually really entertaining so she's always good to talk to and we will speak with her in just a little bit but first i'm sure i'm not the only one who's noticed everything is getting expensive we're in the biggest economic crisis since 2008 and with a government that is printing trillions and trillions of dollars Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years, and inflation is certainly far from transitory. And if the government continues its out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world's reserve currency. So, how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help you move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market into a precious metals IRA. And they make it easy. They are the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 866-670-7660. That's 866 866- Six seven zero seven six six zero or text Alex to six five five three two. Again, that's eight six 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 seven zero seven six six zero or text Alex to six five five three two. That's six five five three two. Text Alex American Heart for Gold. 
We'll start with the horrible news from Friday uh, that the Republicans decided, or at least some Republicans decided, they would save the Biden Build Back Better agenda by passing a trillion-dollar infrastructure bill. Uh, It is unbelievable on the heels of Biden's lowest point yet, which was the robust defeat of the Democrats in on Tuesday's election nationwide, which was a big winner for Republicans, and the uh, America clearly sending a signal they don't like what the Democrats are up to, they don't like the wokeness, and they don't like the priority list. And uh, 13 Republicans decided, actually, what we really should be doing is passing uh, the huge elements of Biden's Build Back Better agenda, giving huge momentum, not just to him, but also Nancy Pelosi. Uh, It's something that you're never surprised about this stuff in Washington. And some of these margins in our current makeup of our Congress makes it so that it doesn't really take a lot of votes to be able to get some deal cut where enough backs have been scratched. When you're talking about a trillion dollars or more, there's always pots of money that go around that scratch a back in such a way that some uh, enough people can get bought off. But it was still uh, it was still an upsetting moment. Because part of it is that the most of the squad, or if not the entire squad, voted against the bill. Uh, Corey Bush, Ilhan Omar, Jamal Bowman, Rashida Tlaib, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and Ayanna Presley all voted against it. So we could have had this amazing scenario where we could have, uh, if the Republicans could have just held the line, then we could have watched the Democrats fight with the squad, the rest of the Democrats, and it would have been such a delight to watch. And, uh, you know, much like the movie Alien versus Predator with the tagline, whoever wins, we lose. Uh, When the Pelosi wing and the squad wing of the Democrat Party fight, um, we all win. Everyone wins. That would have been great. So but we didn't get to watch that because the Republicans and I will name the names. Congressman John Katko, Republican from New York, Don Bacon, Republican from Nebraska, Jeff Finn, Drew, Republican, New Jersey. Fred Upton, Republican, Michigan. Adam Kinzinger, Republican, Illinois. Don Young, Republican uh, from Alaska. Ted, uh, Tom Reed, Republican from New York. Chris Smith, Republican, New Jersey. Andrew Garbarino, Republican, New York. Nicole Maliotakis, Republican from New York. Brian Fitzpatrick, Republican from Pennsylvania. Congressman Anthony Gonzalez, Republican from Ohio. And Congressman David McKinley, Republican from West Virginia. If any of those are your Congress people and you've not called them, you're not doing uh, what you need to do. And uh, all of these people, of course, should be primaried. And uh, it is a uh, insanity that a Republican would bail out the Biden agenda at his weakest moment. And yet that's exactly what's been done. Um, of the trillion dollars, it is our, it is impossible for me to have a full handle of exactly what's on it. But some of the low lights are, are, are only $110 billion of this alleged infrastructure bill is actually infrastructure, as far as we know, in, in the traditional sense. So you can just call it infrastructure and then you make it, you know, uh, 11% infrastructure and then you make it 89% build back better, whatever that means. Which no one really knows, and I don't think anyone really cares. Biden certainly doesn't know. It's very connected to uh, other mantras um, that globalists have around the world. We've written about it actually quite a bit at Breitbart. I won't dwell on that. Um, But only about $110 of actual infrastructure doesn't matter. Call it infrastructure bill, and everyone moves on. Um, There will be some investment in broadband, which in the Breitbart audience, probably more people are into that than not, I would say. The... There is a claim which is somewhat reasonable, whereas if the government is really leading the charge on investment 
in um, broadband, then it means the private sector is not. And it's just another one of those sectors of our economy that is controlled by this sort of public-private partnership, which generally does not uh, end up working out well for 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 the people. It works out great for the biggest corporations in the world and for the government, uh, but not as well for the people. But So there's a big chunk of that. So I, I'm kind of mixed on that because, again, obviously broadband is crucial, and I think it is something that's probably pretty popular with a lot of rural voters um, who do, there is not as much financial incentive to build the broadband out there, but it is uh, n- nonetheless, that's what's happening and it will probably stifle some, some private investment in that area. Then we get into some more fun stuff. $66 billion for Amtrak. Uh, do any of you think that Amtrak's going to spend all that money? Or do you think perhaps it might get absorbed a little bit by some of the various unions and various political causes, bureaucratic causes, et cetera? Just a guess. There's also an additional $16 billion or so more for some sort of national rail project. All this stuff just gets gobbled up. That's why uh, the, the joke my entire life in living in Los Angeles is that we were always told that we would get a high-speed rail from L.A. to Vegas and L.A. to the Bay Area. And, you know, one time Elon Musk dug a tunnel that was a mile long. That's all we got. And I remember Obama promised this stuff, too. What was that, 15 years ago? So, I mean, these rail projects, they don't really go anywhere ever. And we keep sending eight, maybe nine figure sums in that direction. So Biden, Mr. Amtrak guy, this should not be a surprise. His first deal has a big uh, payoff for Amtrak. Lots of Green New Deal stuff in here. We'll give you a lot of the details at Breitbart. I was, of course, amused by the $7.5 billion for electric charging stations. And that's it. You guys, you have all saved the planet with your $7.5 billion in electric, for electric charging stations. This is also why, you know, you see how Tesla's stock is so high. I mean, this is the, the government is helping the green car industry so much. Again, that public-private partnership is not just even about being entrepreneurial anymore if you want to get to the top of the world. You be, have to be able to do things where the government wants to subsidize your business to this degree. Where are these charging stations going to go? Just, they're all just going to go to luxury malls like they normally are? I can't tell you how... Infrequently, I see people charging at the charging stations in my neighborhood. I've always lived in somewhat left-wing neighborhoods, so there's always lots of charging stations. I never see anyone using them. Seems like the people in my life with electric cars charge them at home. But hey, what do I know? I'm not Joe Biden. $21.5 billion for a new office of clean energy demonstrations that's going to be controlled by Jennifer Granholm who I do think is nuts. And I, I don't tend to do a ton of name calling if you're new to the show. I, I'm not a big name caller unless someone starts it. Um, but I, though, I've watched a Grand Home with some sort of fascination over her political career. It's got to be at least 15 or 20 years. And I don't think she's, she's got her head screwed on. Quite right. She's in charge of the energy department, and she just got $21 billion that we believe is almost certainly just going to be a way of uh, handing money out to businesses she likes. So it's, it seems like some sort of a deal where corporations that she chooses that she thinks is doing the stuff she wants is just going to get handouts for to do their green projects. So I see no reason to think that that's not exactly what that is. And again, remember, 13 Republicans voted for that. So um, there is not any high, a, a tax hikes directly as far as we can tell, but there is this new excise tax that is going to be on dozens and dozens of things like uh, metallic elements, minerals, things that are all essential to creating certain things that people buy. And when taxes go up on the stuff you buy, then the prices go up and then it comes out of your pocket. 
So these are these are tax hikes by another name. So they're not tax hikes that you're going to see when you do your W-2, but they are essentially going to get passed down to consumers. So there's a bunch of stuff like that. And this is just, you know, cursory reads of it. And more interesting at this point, of course, is the politics of it, the politics of it that these Republicans decided that they would vote with it. Of course, those of you who are longtime listeners know the biggest disappointment on this list is Nicole Maliotakis, who's been a guest on the show a couple times. And as far as, you know, New York City Republicans go is pretty great, but bailed out Biden and Pelosi. And she had a pretty incoherent argument that she made to Axios saying that she voted against AOC and the squad tonight, as if that's some sort of virtue. She voted with uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi and pencil neck Adam Schiff and uh, Jerry Nadler with the, uh, his pack of Frankfurters. Those of you who are also new to the show, uh, Jerry Nadler's favorite food is eating Frankfurters out of the package in front of an open refrigerator. Amazing. He does it, as far as we know. I mean, let's put it this way. I've never confirmed that he does not eat Frankfurters straight out of the package in front of an open fridge and take out the jar of mustard and dunk it in. Still, doesn't sit down, doesn't even close the fridge. Cold hot dog, dunk it in the mustard, put it all back. Remember, the calories don't count if you're standing in front of an open fridge. It's just one of the first lessons of nutrition. But yeah, so she votes with pencil neck and Pelosi. Great. And makes it so that Cori Bush and Ayanna Presley and AOC and Rashid Tlaib, AOC is basically a performance artist at this point in a social media uh, influencer. She doesn't do anything that actually turns into an agenda. She's a hypocrite in so many billions of ways, it's uh, uh, almost not even worth the time. She's not in charge of the Congress. Who's in charge of the Congress? Nancy Pelosi. And she's working with Joe Biden to get uh, many trillion dollar spending bills across. This is just being the first of many of them. So she says she voted against AOC and the squad. Well, uh, Pelosi cutting this deal, according to a lot of people I spoke to about this, actually strengthens her hand because she probably put enough in it to bring a bunch of other Democrats on board to a much bigger $4 trillion entitlement bill that Biden's got out there. And that bill is that sort of, what did they do? Not the, the life of Julia, but they updated it, the life of someone else, Julie, whatever. But this is the cradle to grave socialism, the nanny state, the ultimate nanny state bill that Biden and Pelosi want want to get across. There's no doubt there's enough handouts that we haven't even begun to uncover in this infrastructure bill uh, to buy them a bunch more votes. So basically, it, it, my read on it is that all the, whatever the next bill is, which is going to be much bigger, is all going to ride on Mansion again. And I hope Mansion holds the line, but it, we put the whole... Uh, we put trillions of more spending basically on one man now because you can bet whatever deal Pelosi cut is uh, strong enough that she's bringing a bunch, of, a bunch of new votes to the next gigantic bill. This is how the m- momentum of politics works. And trust me, Pelosi's playing this a lot better than Nicole Maliotakis is playing it. Totally depressing. I have no good news to say from this I, uh, th- that I can really think of. I don't know. Maybe I undersold some of the new rural broadband we'll get. Maybe that'll be really good. Uh, a, a true bummer. And Biden gets to celebrate after passing this deal at his lowest moment. He gets to have a celebration. Um, let's play some of it. Why not? Let's give him a little victory lap. One day, Mr. Paul, do it. We're just getting started. We did something uh, that's long overdue, that long has been talked about in Washington, but never actually been done. The House of Representatives passed an Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. That's a fancy way of saying a bipartisan infrastructure bill. 
bipartisan. Once in a generation investment that's going to create millions of jobs, modernize our infrastructure, our roads, our bridges, our broadband, a whole range of things to turn the climate crisis into an opportunity. And it puts us on a path to win the economic competition of the 21st century that we face with China and other large countries and the rest of the world. It's going to create more jobs, good paying jobs, union jobs that can't be outsourced. And they're going to transform our transportation system with the most significant investments in passenger rail, the most significant investment in 50 years, in roads and bridges, the most significant investment in 70 years, and more investment in public transit than we've ever, ever made. We had Biden on the ropes at a level that would have been thought of as impossible when he got sworn in January. And then now he was literally taking beach selfies with Jill. PDA, public displays of affection, with Dr. Jill Biden, the greatest doctor who's ever doctored before. Should be the Surgeon General, in my opinion. Um, a lot more analysis of Breitbart News. You make some obvious but important points. Zero dollars for a border wall because that infrastructure doesn't matter. Um, huge benefit for China potentially with a lot of this stuff that's in the bill. Will enable a lot of industries go directly through China. Uh, more analysis at Breitbart.com there, but there's not going to be a uh, there's not going to be a lot of positive stuff to say. So, but this is a big win for Biden and Republicans are not a great job. And look, the, the Republican leadership, I know they do not have an easy job. Steve Scalise comes on the show quite a bit. Ultimately, you got to get these the Democrats fight with themselves in this situation, not hand them a massive win so they can all announce it's bipartisan. A shame. All right, so the appeals court blocked the OSHA rule for the vaccine mandates, which took two months to write. It took two more months to implement, allegedly, And this is ostensibly because of the urgent nature of the coronavirus that everyone must get the jab because even the young, even the healthy, even the people who have pre-existing, who have already had the virus and thus have the strong antibodies, even the people who have a religious uh, objection or people who feel like they might have some sort of a medical complication from getting the vaccines, which are relatively new, all of them must still get the jab by January, something or other, a pretty arbitrary date at this point, but it was blocked, which is which is good. I, I think that's a good thing, but it is still amazing that we cannot have a clear discussion about this topic. That we are acknowledging that there's, we will not acknowledge that there's something up. It is clear that there is something up because of what I just laid out is utterly illogical. That we cannot make these distinctions. If it's so urgent, why four months? And how have we not sorted out the constitutional issues as well? Mark Levin made an interesting point, who, by the way, hopefully will be here next week on the show. And he said there's no way it's constitutional, which is good. So maybe it'll get stopped. But again, the corporations are enforcing it more than the government anyway. But still, I would love to see the legal system work in this way. He says it's a, he says it's flat out it's a state's issue. Government can't do this. I mean, the federal government can't do this. But that doesn't mean that the coronavirus, even if this one gets resolved, which won't get resolved anytime soon, but even if it did... The coronavirus will be with us, as we say in the front page of Breitbart. Corona forever, the number four EVA. Here's Dr. Rochelle Walensky, a.k.a. Dr. Hot Mess, who runs the CDC. She put this video out on Twitter that was so beyond tone deaf, even for her. 9A, go ahead. The evidence is clear. Masks can help prevent the spread of COVID-19 by reducing your chance of infection by more than 80%. 
whether it's an infection from the flu, from the coronavirus, or even just the common cold. In combination with other steps like getting... That's all we need. That's all we need. The common cold. The mask to stop the common cold. We're wearing the mask through the cold season. So all of these absurd mask mandates that are still imposed on children, but not imposed on, you know, Jake Tapper staff at the CNN newsroom. But children who have never been good vectors of the virus, thank God, still have to wear masks in their preschools. And it's so hypocritically applied throughout the country. Now it's not just about the coronavirus. It's about the flu and the common cold. We'll wear the, we will wear our bummer masks, bumming us all out, reminding us that we all need to obey the rules and listen to Dr. Hot Mess and Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci Stein, as producer Greg calls them. So it's a, you got that. We got now the mask for the cold and the flu. If you're not, uh, you don't want to throw something after hearing that, you're not paying attention. They want us a mask forever. The people who are in control of our society at this time would like us to wear masks forever, including your children. So in that, that upbeat music, uh, but play the rest just so you can hear the music. Go ahead. Your vaccination, hand washing and keeping physical distance, wearing your mask is an important step you can take to keep us all healthy. Incredible. Get vaccine facts. We can do this. Woohoo. Man, it's so fun to be under control by these anti-science freaks. The lowest cases, as we're having this conversation right now, is in Florida. Florida has not had masks in a year. So they have the lowest cases in the country, and they've got the least masks while we're having this conversation. A year of no masks, got the least cases. So as the people have been saying online for a very long time, if the masks work so well, why don't they work? So why is it that Florida is so far ahead? Someone would like to explain that, because I'll tell you, if the shoe is on the other foot, and I will say for the source-funded freaks who monitor the show, I'm not saying if everyone wore a perfectly fitted N95 to their face, it wouldn't have a make a difference. I'm sure it would. That's not what's happening. You're wearing a filthy maiden China face diaper that is filthy. And who knows what other illnesses you're getting from that, because it's probably disgusting. It's definitely disgusting. And no one sterilizes them and keeps them. They're all filthy. They're not fresh. And most of them are porous, and the virus is just going straight through them. And there's big gaps around the edges, and the virus is going through that too. So, which I believe partially explains why Florida is not doing worse. Florida is, in fact, doing the best. But you know if the shoe's on the other foot. If California had the most masks and the lowest cases, we'd never stop hearing about it. Florida's got the least masks and the least cases, and yet our media never discusses it. Why? Because they want us under control. It's not about the coronavirus, particularly in the case of the masks. In the meantime, by the way, Florida Floridians get it. Remember how we were told that Ron DeSantis isn't actually all that popular? He's like, you know, pulling 50%, 52% maybe. Like, he's, maybe he's ahead, but he's, he's going to have a tough re-election battle. The Democrats are pulling resources out of Florida because his approval rating is so high. He's got a net positive approval rating, I think now something like 20% in certain polls. Democrats are now pulling resources out of Florida. They're, they're not going to run. Charlie Crist might get the nomination. I think maybe there's one other person on the Democrat side, but, but they're not going to put resources as far as we know because he is, he's going to cakewalk. And the, the state's getting redder because a lot of people are moving there. But despite what the media, the media's lies about it, um, and I wrote in great detail in my book, Breaking the News, about how the media lavish praise over Andrew Cuomo, who was failing on the virus. Uh, meanwhile, they were trashing Ron DeSantis, who was succeeding relative to other states, and they were trashing him. And uh, it's pretty striking when you look at it next to each other. Again, that's what I say, Breaking the News, more relevant than ever, audiobook as well, if you're so inclined couple other major topics that I want to bring up. The FBI allegedly raided James O'Keefe's house, or I think certainly raided it over the weekend. 
and he acknowledged that he's under investigation for connections to Ashley Biden's diary, which a few pages of Ashley Biden, Joe Biden's daughter, were her diary was published last year and was mostly ignored because no one really knew if it was real or not. I vaguely recall seeing something across my desk at the time on that topic. But apparently there is a DOJ investigation into whether or not the diary was stolen. This is not a joke. Not a joke. Is it a federal crime to steal a diary? I got to say, back at Walter Reed Middle School, it, it, it was strongly frowned upon to steal people's diaries. And you could get ostracized on the bus. And those were long bus rides because we were coming from West L.A. And we were going all the way to North Hollywood. And with all those stops, I mean, th- that was a long ride. So you did not want to steal anyone's diary because of the social ostracization. But I didn't know it was a federal crime. Apparently it is. What I'm curious about this is that just to know, James O'Keefe never published anything from the diary. Apparently he had access to it and then he turned it over to authorities. But he never published anything on it. And as far as we know, there is there. I don't know what crime would have been committed. I assume there's something the DOJ knows. But if he didn't publish any stories, it's not a federal crime then what are they looking into? The other thing here, which is amazing, is that if I was in charge of the FBI, I again, I don't think like type of people who would be in charge of the FBI, but I wouldn't raid O'Keefe because it seems like the proverbial lose-lose. Because if you're raiding him, then and the diary was faked, like we were kind of told at the time, it was not real, then why would you raid him? Because it's not a real diary. And if you are raiding him, and if the diary is real, why would you raid him? Because that sends a signal that the diary is real. And so now people can scurry online and try to find the pages. Some of them have really kind of upsetting stuff in them regarding the Biden family. And now everyone can read those, and maybe those will turn into news cycles. So I don't know if I get it. Um, We've reached out to James, and uh, we'll try to get him on uh, if he wants to, though I imagine there's legal implications. James and I go back a very long time. Um, but it just looks like what it looks like, which is targeting of journalists. I don't see how you could have any other conclusion uh, at this time. Not to say there won't be more information, but that's what it looks like. And again, it sort of legitimizes that the diary, whatever it is, is in there, might be real. Last one for now, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse trial is going on. And this is, I think, captivated a lot of the uh, imagination of the right. And this is going to be an interesting one because it looks like he's going to walk. And a lot of the hot takes online is that he should not have been on trial to begin with, which is probably pretty true. Rittenhouse was 17 and he went up to Kenosha, Wisconsin during the rioting last summer. And it seemed like he wanted to be some sort of a, a, a do-gooder, maybe wants to be a police officer. And he was there and he was standing watch with an AR-15. He was also functioning as a medic and he was trying to help people during the riots. And um, people saw the AR-15 and uh, freaked out on him. And it looked as though, according to video that has surfaced, that he they were trying to hurt him, if not kill him completely. And so he shot a few guys in self-defense. I think three in total. I think two died, if the numbers, uh, I think I have the numbers accurately. And then he actually tried to give himself up to police, but police didn't care at the time because they had other stuff that was going on. So it seems like a very clear example of self-defense based off of the video that surfaced. Uh, there might be a lesser weapons charge because he was 17 in the AR-15, and the, the, which is probably not legal in Wisconsin. But again, he was a minor, and he was not a Wisconsin resident. So there might have been something minor here in terms of a charge, but they're trying to charge him with murder. They're making an example out of Kyle Rittenhouse, who's, I think, 18 now, I guess. But it's very clear from the video that people have seen, which, again, was delayed by the FBI for people to be able to see it, 
Uh, if not, they might have lost some evidence is the latest chatter. But these guys are trying to kill him, it appears. And he killed two of them and disabled another one. And the left frame, this is he's a white supremacist. And then now the video shows he was trying to help people in general and might have been overzealous a little bit in his enthusiasm in the situation. But he's going to walk and then it will probably be additional riots and we will be told the lie that he's a white supremacist again. Just like we were told the lie for so many years that Russian collusion narrative was real, the PP dossier was real, that we had more evidence of that last week that's faked. It is over and over again the stories that the establishment media told you about during the Trump era all turned out to be bogus. Just so many of them. And I've got a big list called the uh, Fake News Hall of Shame in Breaking the News. Maybe I'll have to add the Rittenhouse to the um, paperback version when we do that. This one's pretty clear. The more we know about it, the more it looks like a self-defense for sure, and he's going to walk. And I'm very curious to see if there will be uh, some sort of rioting that takes place thereafter. All right, that's a lot at the start, but i got to take a break. Be right back. Did you know there's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than 2 million members and counting? AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most effective conservative organizations in America. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. Stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining right now at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. Join today at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. Accepts our interview with Plot Against the President director and friend of the show, Amanda Milius. Roll it. Amanda, always good to talk to you. Thanks for joining me today. And a few things on my list, but uh, it was amazing because I learned last week that, believe it or not, the PP dossier and the whole Russian collusion narrative, it was some sort of a Democrat op. I can't believe it. Were you shocked when you heard this? Yeah, I was I was really shocked. Um, it just took me a minute to catch up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so I'm I'm super frustrated. It's like um, it seems like the winds are like just really small. I'm I'm trying to be hopeful about it. I was actually with Cash Patel and Congressman Nunes um, a couple days ago at an event, and they are very bullish on Durham. And I've said this on your show. I mean, I just try to listen to people that are smarter than I am and and actually know about these things, which would be those two guys. And they're they're super hopeful about it. I think it's pretty good. I mean, I said the last time I said I was on your show, I was like, I think we're going to see some good arrests. Right. Yeah. And we did. So. Um, so I'm hopeful about it. I just the thing that annoys me that makes me miserable and turn off the news uh, for five minutes is just this. I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous, but it's like. There's I, I just cannot even after everything, even after making plot against the president, even after like dealing with this and being, you know, the same as everybody else watching uh, this stuff just go on. I just I cannot believe they're going to get away with not even acknowledging 
the massiveness of the hoax, right? Like the yes. mainstream media is just parading along like nothing is happening. Kind of like the, the one that got me was the New York Times article where they're like, yeah, so it looks like the dossier is discredited. And it's published, it's written by the same guys that were pushing it, by like the FBI flack uh, yeah. reporters, namely Adam Goldman at the New York Times. Um, they're just pushing this. I cannot believe this sort of laissez-faire attitude that they're writing this stuff. And it isn't an absolute giant moment for everybody to say, like, this was the fundamental hoax. This was the hoax yeah. before all the other hoaxes. And it was wrong. It was the blueprint for how they lie to us, how they turn the whole country in the opposite direction of reality. And it's just trudging along. So I, I it did finally get to me a day or so ago. But, um, you know, uh, people people tend to turn into the tune into the movie again uh, when Russiagate stuff breaks. So, you know, I just hope for some more arrests. Good for and, business. Uh, I like that. Available on Amazon and iTunes. <laughs> sure. It, it's a, a Cash Patel, by the way, who I think is one of the kind of coolest figures in Washington. He was on uh, Matt Boyle's show. Uh, Breitbart News Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so, so those of you who want to pull that down, it's a great interview. It's on the front page right now at, at Breitbart, uh, and he talks about this recent indictment of the Russian Igor Danchenko and by uh, uh, John Durham that that suggests a, perhaps a bigger conspiracy case is being uh, uh, built by Durham, and that that would be great. And I, I'm, I've been very, I would say, bearish on on Durham, and uh, so, but still, I welcome all the good news, Amanda, that, that we can get. Um, and I was really excited to read the excellent write-up of all this in BuzzFeed, the original uh, PP Dossier uh, publisher. Wait a minute. Oh, wait, 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 wait. They, they haven't covered this at all. Oh, that's so weird. And I'm shocked by that. Yeah, uh, I actually, you know what? I should be shocked that the New York Times did the article at all. I should I should just be, I, instead of like looking at it and rolling my eyes at, at the fact that one of the main reporters is just sort of, you know, meekly saying it, I should just be happy that they're reporting it at all because BuzzFeed will show us that they don't even have to touch it. Yeah, that is a, a, a something that it just kind of gives away the whole game to me. I mean, as far as I know, the, no one at CNN, no one at The Washington Post, these places that were so instrumental in pushing this narrative that we now know, or at least we believe, is essentially based on a operation to get Hillary Clinton elected. I mean, that was the whole thing. This is what this was all about. This is where it originated was a plan to get Hillary Clinton elected. And all these media outlets uh, were a part of it. And they just go on, uh, go along with their business. Even some Republicans and conservatives continue to talk to them and subscribe to them, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where I stand on conservatives uh, continuing to talk to the, the fake press. Um you know, Devin's uh, stance on that appears to be not to do so. And I totally get that. And I think that's awesome. And he's really people don't recognize he's really one of like the purists on the right as far as not doing business with our enemies. Um, sure. He doesn't interact with reporters who have lied about him um, or the president or anybody. And um, he doesn't uh, mess around on Twitter. Um, and I, I, I occasionally am like, dude, you got to get on there just because I, I adore his Instagram um, because it's just like this, the ultimate like boomer dad art form. And I love it. But, um, <laughs> but 
He's he and you know he's really single-handedly pushed Rumble, um, which was you know the alter, the only alternative to to YouTube um, after after just being like you know what this right. is totally corrupt. I'm not playing this game, and so like a lot of you know we need to see more Republicans behaving that way. I think it's I think it's important to stand up. I mean, recently I I supported Jim Banks in um, refusing to remove a tweet that had him suspended because he called the VA secretary not the first woman to be made an admiral or whatever, um, because the VA secretary is, of course, a man. Um, and so it's like, yeah, I just think, you know, we've got to support our Republican leaders when they when they exhibit these kind of, uh, you know, backbones, because it's it's so rare. Uh, again, Amanda Milius is with me. The, pro- the plot against the president is the movie that she directed, and it's really a terrific uh, movie. And I, and less political than you would think, starring Cash Patel and Devin Nunes. I, I want to ask you about another movie directed by a woman that I could not stop hearing about over the weekend. This is Marvel's Eternals, the lowest-rated film uh, of the entire Marvel universe at Rotten Tomatoes. I know nothing about the Eternals. Um, I think we reviewed it at Breitbart, and it was not a, a very positive review. Um, but is a lot of people are making this about sex and gender because it was directed by this lady, Chloe Zhao, who just won a bunch of awards for Nomadland. I guess that was last year or the year before, whatever it is, uh, which I did not see, but I was told was not bad. Um, and uh, yeah, she directed this one. So, so, so this is all, uh, but, but again, the bad, the bad reviews of Marvel's Eternals is because I guess the woman is a director and women can't get well reviewed in Hollywood. I'm being told. Um, yeah, I, I think that's nonsense. I mean, one thing, again, I'm coming at this having, I, I can only see one horrific movie a month for you guys. <laughs> like, I cannot, like, I did, like, I did the James Bond thing. Like, I'm still talking about it. It's, it's taking me a minute to recover. I based my whole speech at NatCon uh, on the, the extended version of why James Bond being a simp is bad for uh, the entirety of Western civilization. So um, I'll try and put that out at some point soon. Um, but uh, but anyway, so yeah, I haven't seen that. But what is interesting about it is that, you know, like I said, at a certain point, Hollywood's forcing of totally unnatural relationships um, and just unnatural nonsense in movies is going to uh, back uh, is going to uh, spill back on them because it isn't engaging. It's all like, like they, I think that movie, I looked at the, at the cast and it was like the ultimate, um, you know, what I call the fast and furious effect where it's just like this absurdly ethnically diverse group of people that would in no way be interacting naturally. And like, like there's not one of everything in every friend group. It's just totally ridiculous. Um, But things like that are going to at some point start to to uh, stand out to people and just be like, you know, I just don't know that the American audience really wants to watch like the gay makeout scene in the comic book movie, not in like the gay summer romance movie. I just don't know if they're there yet. Um, yeah, th- this is interesting that, that there is a gay there's a gay superhero yeah. in this one, which is interesting because these Marvel and movies. It, it, wow, I mean that's that's extra diversity. The uh, but w- with these Marvel movies, they're so sexless anyway. So now they're injecting sex, but it's gay sex. Like, is that the yeah, is that what's happening? That's the future. No, and that's that's what they want. I mean, because when you're a finally half robot, uh, there's no need for opposite sex relations. Everybody's just going to be a gay trans robot. So they're just prepping you for the future in which you will enjoy 
uh, you know, plugging into the metaverse and having your sort of like, you know, uh, programmed sexual fantasy mm. relationship with like whatever Android they tell you to. So, wow. <laughs> like, um, I, I, I mean, does it, does your if your avatar is an LGBTQ plus, I mean, it's the is your avatar even really worthwhile in the is year twenty twenty one? Really, your, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, the no, it's the, the female director though. Sure. One thing I'll say is that. Um, look, this is just me speculating. As far as I know, this could be an amazing movie. and I, I haven't seen it. She could be just like totally great. But it's sort of a shame because you can see what, what might be happening. It'd be a little bit similar to what happened to the director of the James Bond movie, which is the director himself, I've argued, is quite talented and, and good. Remember, he did uh, do True Detective, which is stunning and, and heart-wrenching and just very good. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of that has to do with the writing. But um, but the thing with this director is that, yeah, everyone that I respect has said that Nomadland was really great. And she's like an up-and-coming director. She's ethnic and female. So no matter what, Hollywood is going to grab her and be like, oh, my God, it's the snow leopard we've been waiting yeah. for. Um, and, and they're going to put her in, in, the, in the seat, in the driver's seat of this massive movie, but not give her any control because you know for a fact that there's no way that she had any say over the script or many of the things that, you know, powerful seasoned directors might have. Maybe she did, but it, either way, I, I just don't think that it's so, everything about it is so forced that I wouldn't be surprised if it just absolutely was unrelatable to human beings. Isn't that something though, that the Marvel movies, and again, you're, you're, you're a director and not just a director, you're a descendant of Hollywood royalty, John Milius, your dad. Uh, it's a, isn't the Marvel movies now, isn't it sort of, you almost have to be, it's not an auteur job. It's a job for a functionary who can manage so many different interests and technologies and organ. It almost, almost seems more like organizational. It's a, yeah, but again, I, I don't know, the, it, I, I don't know much about directing. You're a director. So, so you tell me. I would say, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that it, Hollywood has so gotten away from the auteur directing style where, you know, the Quentin Tarantino vibe where the director is king and you can feel their has a style voice. all over right. everything. Yeah. Um, but now it's almost like another cast member where they're like, not only do we have a diverse cast, but, you know, the director is a snow leopard, too. And you're like, OK, that's. I don't care. I just, it's not, it's that nobody should know anything about the director besides the evidence of their intellect or their emotion or whatever that you see on screen. Like you shouldn't even really, in these cases, like know who they are. I mean, it's very, uh, it's just so like, you're not going to be watching the movie and like, Oh yeah, I believe this more because I, I was told that the person that directed this was both female and an ethnic minority. Um, let me ask you about the fact that this movie will not be shown in Saudi Arabia or Qatar or Kuwait because apparently of the the gay superhero. Uh, I imagine Hollywood is very upset about this, or they just they're just moving on and making money elsewhere. I don't know if they're upset, but I think it's very based, um, and it's starting to be. Uh, I don't know if you follow the um, <laughs> the meme online of like uh, I think it started by like Siraj Hashmi of like turning America into Sharia uh, as being the most base thing you can do um, <laughs> because I'm starting to become a believer uh, when you're like, okay, so America has to accept every single um, culturally destroying um, entertainment facet that Hollywood can dream up to punish us for, for living in the suburbs 
But uh, Saudi Arabia, China, and all a lot of these other countries are just like, yeah, no, that's that's definitely not going to work here. And at a certain point, what's interesting is that actually will have an effect because, like I said before, ex- explaining how the economics of this work, these gazillion dollar movies, these tent pole uh, superhero movies, like a lot of the Marvel Marvel movies, they must perform really well in all the regions in order to. Um, make their profit like they're they're so expensive because uh, they count on these massive international audiences which is another reason why the scripts are terrible Um, but if a lot of these countries that are not as woke as we are and have actual uh, you know rules and um, and buying power as a population and actually actually say no to things um, that is actually going to have an impact it's not the American um, you know religious right that they're going to have to worry about. It's going to be Saudi Arabia telling them to screw off with uh, with all of their cultural uh, cultural Marxism and everything else they want to shop. It's very interesting how we've got this huge divide, how in America we roll over to everything these days, and then there are these other countries around the world, countries that I largely loathe. Um, they just put their foot down, just say we're not going to do that, and then and then in America we just accept it. I mean, China is the most oppressive place in the world. We heard nothing about how uh, nothing other than that. Uh, we've heard nothing about China's oppression of journalism, their uh, literal racism, their internment of uh, ethnic minorities, their uh, forced sterilization or organ harvesting, huge limits on women's rights. It, it, never a conversation, but it's a, whenever China makes a demand, then we always just immediately bend the knee to them. But in America, it's a you would think that it is at this point in time with with the way Hollywood operates, there'd be at least some conversation of this. And yet there's none. They just all go along with it because there's just so much money there. It strikes me every day that this is the, the, the reality we're living in, that the Hollywood just rolls over when people stand their ground. Uh, uh, but uh, we don't, I guess, in America. We just are just going to keep going well, we down this woke I slide. Mean, what that tells you is that the uh, the America, the American middle and the American right have less of a voice in American uh, culture than foreign countries do. I mean, Hollywood could not Certainly, care. They're no not doubt. looking at the reviews of like what Americans think about any of these movies. The, the only thing that's going to get their attention are like entire foreign countries that have authoritarian rules. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it is really interesting. Like it's, it just tells you, I mean, I'm not surprised by it at all because their entire obsession with this stuff is totally disingenuous. Like I, uh, you know, to make it about myself again, which um, <clears throat> I'm fairly good at uh, this director chick, I guess last year, or she put out the movie in 2020 um, that we're talking about from this other, from the, the, the Marvel movie. She's the only uh, female director that outperformed me in uh, sales in 2020, I think, uh, because Plot Against the President was so successful on Amazon. And um, it's not like Hollywood is like, oh, celebrating women filmmakers. And like I um, at this conference, actually, I harassed a Vanity Fair reporter the entire time, um, pretending that he was there to do my profile and that Annie Leibovitz would be showing up any minute to do my cover. <laughs> um, but my point is just that, the, that to me was like, yeah, they don't care about these people. They don't care about any of this. They don't care about females. They don't care about no. female directors. They don't care about the phenomenon of like women making movies. That's not interesting. And I agree. It's not very interesting. It's like the least interesting thing ever. But, um, 
the fact that they gin up all this stuff, they only care about it to a point. So they're only going to care about this other stuff. These, you know, the gay Superman makeout scene and the, you know, extremely unlikely ethnic group of friends and all of that. Um, they're only going to care about that as long as it continues to be profitable for them. The moment they get pushback, I think it's going to stop. I mean, you saw they erased, I think, black characters off the poster. Was it for Dune? I think it was for Dune um, for its release in China. Like, they will literally erase a minority off the poster. Like, no problem, no questions asked, just, like, delete if it's not, if it's going to be a problem for China. Like, they do not care about these things. That's why I try to get us to argue on... On other on on other sides, and to be fearless about it, because they try to make it a moral thing, and they want to make everybody feel bad, like you're a bad person, you're a mean person, because you don't like want to watch, you know, tranny Batman. Like, there's you can you can say no, like say no, like America should have the same voting rights in its culture as Saudi Arabia does. Okay, so where does that leave us, Amanda? And again, Amanda Milius, Plot Against the President movie, everyone should watch. Where should people find you online, by the way, if they want to support your work? Uh, I uh, tweet daily hot takes at uh, Amanda Milius on Twitter. And um, again, I really encourage you to watch Plot Against the President. Tell your friends, tell everybody, because the reason we made it into a movie that can't be forgotten as quickly as an article or uh, a YouTube explainer or something like that is because we knew that no one was going to acknowledge this massive scam and uh, hoax happened. Uh, so it's a very concise, <clears throat> all-in-one place to yes. sort of tell everybody you were right about Russia Gate. It's on Amazon and iTunes, and uh, and YouTube. Yeah, and I, I plug it wholeheartedly. And you know, most of the time when I'm promoting stuff on the show, uh, admittedly, people approach me first. Uh, this is one example where I watched the movie and I liked it so much, I reached out to Amanda. So that is not always how it works. And a lot of the times, <laughs> yeah. a lot of time, I read great books and watch great stuff because it's recommended to me that this was this was the exact opposite. This was I I sought Amanda out because it was so good. And Elise Smith's book, which is based on, is terrific, but it is a dense uh, it is a dense exercise that is very valuable. Is a essential for the historical record uh the movie's more fun i gotta say much more fun yeah um, well i mean lee smith is a genius uh not all of us can be as uh up to you know uh, up to par on his level i mean i i suggest following lee smith as well because if anyone is going to break down the breaking news with um what's happening with the the investigation um uh, with the durham stuff um uh, but if you're not following you know cash on his various appearances like lee smith is the guy yeah, no, he's a very important voice, and uh, always whatever he's doing is worthwhile. Um, but so let's talk about where that leads us, because it is still. I was reflecting on this just the other day about how still conservatives are just not in the mainstream of the culture at all. I mean, it's just any sort of uh, d- digression from the est- corporate establishment in terms of opinion in the culture is just immediately crushed. You're, you probably saw over the weekend what happened to. Uh, quarterback Aaron Rodgers from the Green Bay Packers, who had a bunch of opinions on the vaccines, most of which I don't think are are that persuasive or e- even that intelligent, to be honest with you. Not to say he's not a smart guy; I think he is. Uh, but I didn't find anything he said that, that interesting. It still it got up the ire of the left at such an insane level that they literally won him out of the NFL over it, basically. 
And it's just, I don't even know if he's the, the guys on the right. He dates all these Hollywood actresses and stuff who all seem like they're a, a, a crunchy leftist. Like, it's the, I don't think he's a, some sort of a right-wing guy. And they have to crush him. They have to cancel him. And it's worked by and large because we have been pushed out into our own Balkans to some degree. So so where are we right now on this issue? I mean, no, that's that's what's, what's really weird about this is that of all the times to listen to athletes and their opinions on things, health and fitness and what keeps them in their best sort of physical uh, selves is actually where they are actual experts. I mean, they are supposedly the Olympians of our culture. And then what the left does is they're like, let's listen to these people about politics. And you're like, no, I do not care who the NBA is voting for. I don't care who Cardi B is voting for. (laughs) Cardi B is an expert on or whatever. They're like, you know, they always like they always do that where they're like, okay, this is a person whose voice really matters in politics. And you're like, no, it's the opposite of that. That is a person who is very good at running fast and chasing a ball. And you're like, what what they are good at is keeping themselves in peak human condition. So. When Kyrie Irving or any of these people, I love Kyrie Irving. I actually thought Kyrie Irving was one of my favorite players in the NBA. Um, he also is anti-vax. And I actually, um, or not necessarily anti-vax, just, not, you know, asking questions. And they're, they're trying to burn him at the stake, too. Yeah. Um, but Again, on, another on guy who's not actually, on the right. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, certainly. Kyrie Irving is not the guy that I would consider to be like the right wing, uh, you know, leader or whatever. But um, but one thing that's interesting is actually I think you can vote, obviously, for who's in the NBA um, uh, all stars. And so I'm hoping that America turns out for him and then he is uh, they're forced to let him play in the all star game. Um, but, yeah, the, Aaron, the Rogers thing is like crazy as well. I just think it's like, yeah, I mean, of all of all people that should have, I mean, autonomy over their physical selves you would think it would be people whose bodies are their profession. It's like they are literally only in careers for a very limited amount of time. It's a brief window where they have to make all of their money. Uh, It's kind of like, I guess, modeling and acting, you know, as well. It's like, it's a very similar thing for, for some women, for models, at least they make all their money in this very brief period of time because they're all, it's all based in their physical selves. Like these are people who, I mean, the athletes, at least you would think, should be allowed professionally to make decisions about how best to do that. It's their entire career. Uh, Amanda, I will got limited time, but I want to get hot takes from you on three topics. Some of them are related. Uh, 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 Dave Chappelle said he he sold out crowd. (laughs) I think he's plenty informed. Uh, The hotter, the better and the more informed, the better, but you're typically informed. So Dave Chappelle says to sold out crowd, man, I love being canceled. Uh, It it is. I'm really glad he said that because it's a canceling cancellation has gone great for Dave Chappelle. And it's the it's nice sometimes when the pro wrestler says uh, I'm doing pro wrestling. Um, But what was your take on this? No, I think that is actually pretty cool. That's one of the cooler things I've heard him say on this. And it it does. I do like that. I don't like it when people that are literally richer than God are acting like they're being controlled by the, yeah. the masses and that they, they they're like, I'm, I'm going to be canceled if I don't do this. You're like, actually, you're the one person who can't be canceled and you should just do whatever you want and it'll be even more popular. I believe I said this about uh, who was the guy that got who got kicked off of doing the Oscar um the Oscars, uh, the other comedian, uh, the short one, I forget. Anyway, Kevin Hart. He, I, he, Kevin Hart was like whining, and you're like, dude, you, you're uncancelable. Just do a yeah. comedy tour and say you're going to say whatever you want. But so I'm glad Dave Chappelle is doing that. But the one, you know, 
kind of, I have to give you guys a little bit of a black pill, but like conservatives flocking to him, I had a weird feel. I had a, I had a funny feeling about it. I didn't really like it after having seen the episode, seen the, the, the special and all that stuff. And just like, I, I'm a big fan of his. Like I say this as somebody who is a big sure. fan of his comedy. I actually love all of his stuff. However, conservatives are so excited to have any celebrity on their side that they're like, I believe in this entire thing wholeheartedly and he needs my yes. support and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, the entire special is about how he hates white people. It's literally him pleading with the woke audience not to cancel him. The whole special is about this fixation on being canceled for the, for the LGBT stuff. So it's not exactly the, um, the savior of conservative values. And, um, well, not that anyone saw that, but, um, it's not like, like we just get so excited over somebody who's doing something kind of sane. And I mean, look, I, we have to support it. I'm not saying don't support it. We have to support yeah. it. It's very good for the culture, but it's still not perfect. It's not, he's not like, he's not like on our side. Like he hates Trump voters. He hates Republicans pretty much says he hates white people. So like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not an ideal uh, messenger there. Um, last one for the day, I guess, for now, and I have a lot more, but I want to get Kanye West is being, uh, he is trashing TikTok, cancel culture, Margaret Sanger. Uh, what's his calculation here? Is he making one or is he just being authentic? No, I think he's being authentic. I'm just happy to see that he's still, uh, on the, on the, uh, on the team. I mean, I, I think he's amazing. I think he's been one of the most unexpected and actually like vibrant uh, cultural figures in a long time. And not just because he's pro Trump and obviously I think that's cool, but like the amount of courage it takes to be him and to be pro Trump is amazing. Uh, but just all the stuff he does, like it's just, uh, I, he's one of the last actually entertaining famous people um, that's around. But yeah, I think it's, I think he's being authentic. I think it's cool. Um, he was, uh, Clearly, people were like musing that like he wouldn't like that Kim Kardashian is going out with that uh, that weird <laughs> alien guy, Pete Davidson or whatever. But Pete like, Davidson, have you yeah. seen um, Kanye West's new girlfriend? I, I haven't. Who's his new She's girlfriend? Really hot. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> the, the Pete Davidson thing. We got we got to take some time on that because I I don't get it as a uh, as a straight, somewhat normal guy. I don't think I get the Pete Davidson thing, I, uh, but he I just has to go. Out. It's like a rule. If you're an actress, you have to go out with Pete Davidson. It's just, I mean, he, I don't, I don't know what's going on with that because it's like these girls that are just like stunning and amazing. And like literally the best looking human females of our time go out with this yeah. guy. And he's like, they, I, yeah, I don't, I don't who, see it. Who, who wrote this rule that this is something that, that uh, actresses must, must all do. They must all go out with Pete Davidson. doesn't matter. Amanda Milius, I wish we had more time, and uh, you'll come back soon, I hope. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I did run out of time there a little bit at the end, and I lament it because I wanted to ask her her take on Alyssa Milano saying that giving birth was very reminiscent of being sexually assaulted. Uh, it's just amazing where the feminist movement is right now. That That is, I guess, something that's a virtuous thing to say 
from the ultra-woke Alyssa Milano, but I ran out of time, and that's a bummer, but uh, she'll be back. Amanda will be back soon. uh, I do recommend, though, our last interview where she uh, reviewed the James Bond movie, which is available on Brightport SoundCloud, also enjoyable to listen if you want to pull that down uh, using your favorite non-Google search engine. Okay, as always, we have a caller of the day that we like to feature. We have a vast audience at SiriusXM on the Patriot channel, and we take just about as many calls as I think any call-in show across SiriusXM, I would guess. And we choose to highlight one a day on the podcast, and today it is Teresa in Texas. Um, Her sister is mentally challenged, she says, and on Medicaid and is being forced to get the jab or else she's going to lose access to certain things that she needs for her health. And again, we can't verify any of this stuff on the fly, but it certainly sounds plausible and disturbing. And this is where the vaccine mandates go so wrong. Uh, Let's take a listen. I just wanted to tell you, it's really an honor to speak to you, first of all. And I'm not really wasn't a real political person until over the last six months listening to the Patriots. But, you know, one of the things that hadn't come up is our mentally challenged citizens we have out here and the handicapped that are relying on day programs and government facilities to take care of them. I have a sister that's in a group home in Kentucky, and if she wants to go to any of her day programs, she is forced to receive the shot. And I argued it with them. I had a big political argument with them over it. And it doesn't matter if she's going to receive any medical facility to help her in her growth and training. She has to have the shot. And I just found that so asinine that you're forcing people who can't make a decision. Yeah, I do think that that's not acceptable and i love to look into this in particular. But they're literally saying that she can't access certain programs. She doesn't get the jab. Right, because they are considered a medical facility and funded by Medicaid. This is in Murray, Kentucky. Yeah, and and this doesn't surprise me. I mean, this is going to be what gets us, and thanks for the call, Teresa. It's not going to be the OSHA rule. It's going to be the hospitals. It's going to be the planes. It's going to be the corporations. That's what's going to get people the jab. I got American Yeah, the ancillary effects of this vaccine mandate are so bad. It's so bad culturally. It's toxic culturally. And I do think it it will erode the faith in trust in the public health. And that is so diminished and deteriorated already at this point. And it can only stand to get worse if uh, people get their heads on straight. And I see no evidence people are straightening their heads, at least uh, on a national or federal level. Anyway, not the happiest note to go out on, but it is where we are. So that'll be all for today. Thanks to Paul D'Amelio and Greg Evan, our producers. Also, Robert Marlowe, Knight Editor of Breitbart, helping me with some topic selection today, which I appreciate. And we'll be back tomorrow for another edition of the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.